And hello, everyone, and welcome to another fun-filled edition of Talking Cinema with Christoph Hankerson. And on this week's episode of Talking Cinema, I'll be continuing our series of underrated Disney gems by paying a toast to the open road, because I will be discussing a movie that is not only underrated, but just happens to be my favorite Disney movie of all time. It's the goofy movie, why it took so long for it to take off with audiences, and how it has become one of the most popular Disney movies of the last 25 years. All of this and more on this week's edition of Talkin' Cinema. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another fun-filled edition of Talkin' Cinema with your host, myself, Christoph Hankerson, and I am super excited and super thrilled to bring you another amazing episode talking about one of my favorite Disney movies that I have no joke, probably seen 50 or more times in my lifetime, and that is a goofy movie. So without any further ado, we're just going to get right down to it and start talking about it, shall we then? All right, so for those of you that don't know, a goofy movie was released on April 7th, 1995, a little over 25 years ago, to very little fanfare and a little bit of universal acclaim. I believe Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up. They really liked the movie, and a few other nationwide newspapers really liked the film as well. But it did not make it didn't make a whole lot of money at the box office. It wasn't a box office darling like the other films of the Disney Renaissance. It didn't make Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Lion King money, which were the which were and are the big four films of the Renaissance. It didn't make that kind of money. And, and not to mention, it didn't even make the money that Pocahontas and Toy Story would make as those films would be released later in the year. And, but yeah, so the Goofy movie. Wow. Where to start with this gem? I, it, it's just, it's just one of those movies. I can, you, you, I can remember the first time I ever saw it, first time I saw the movie, I had to be at least four or five years old. I believe we, I either rented the film or we borrowed it from some family friends. And I just remember being so taken aback by how amazingly funny it was. I mean, I knew a lot about Goofy because at this point in time, it was the late 90s, early 2000s. Disney Channel was still kind of airing the Silly Symphonies and all of the classic things that make Disney what it is, the Mickey, Donald, Goofy, Minnie, Daisy cartoons, they were still being aired. So I knew a lot about Goofy. I had seen some of his shorts and I thought he was hilarious as a kid. And the movie just solidified that love for the character in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, you know, but I, I firmly believe one of the things that makes it, that has made this movie great, has made this movie connect with audiences over the last several years is the father-son dynamic with Goofy and Max. So for those of you that have been living under a rock for the past 25 years, or for those of you that may have seen the movie hmm, once or twice when you were a kid, and it's been a long time, I'm gonna go ahead and refresh your memory on the plot summary. So basically the plot of the first original Goofy movie, there were two of them. There was the Goofy movie, which was released in 1995 in theaters, and there was the straight video sequel an extremely goofy movie which is also pretty good pretty entertaining as well but we're going to talk about a goofy movie today and the plot of the movie so basically it's you know it's the last day before summer vacation and max is doing everything he can to impress this girl this really cute girl roxanne his crush 
And he so what does he do? He enlists the help of his best friends, PJ and Bobby. <laughs> PJ is, of course, this is some carryover from Goof Troop. While Pistol and Peg were nowhere to be seen, Pete, the father, and PJ, the son, were, were in this. And PJ is, once again, as I said, he's Max's best friend. And Bobby, who was voiced by Pauly Shore, who was probably one of the most popular and unconventional comedians of that time period. Watch, watch his movies to find out what I'm talking about. But anyways, he voiced Bobby, who just kind of said everything like, mmm, slurpage, or it's a leaning tower of cheese You know, it's kind of that laid back gnarly surfer dude kind of person. I mean, he just literally, Paul Shore literally just injected his personality into the character, but made it accessible and user-friendly to a G-rated family audience. And they're doing all this. He enlists their help, and Max, like most teenagers in the real world, Max is obsessed with the most, the most powerful excuse me, the most popular pop star on the planet. You know, kind of like a lot of girls were obsessed with NSYNC and Backstreet Boys in the late 90s and before that, it was New Kids on the Block. There's always been that one pop sensation that has taken the world by storm and such and, you, and whatnot. And for Max, it was Powerline. Like, you know, he was basically, I like to, like in Powerline, he was... He had the dance moves of Michael Jackson and the voice of Prince. I mean, if you put if you put those guys together, whew, you pretty much have power line. And what's funny about this, fun fact, I don't know how many of you guys know this, but before they enlisted Tevin Campbell, who at the time was a pretty popular R&B teenage sensation, before they enlisted him to play the role, they were actually going to get Bobby Brown to play the role. But unfortunately, Bobby Brown encountered some legal troubles and he started beating Whitney Houston. And whatnot. So yeah, probably he wasn't probably wasn't the best choice. And honestly, I think it turned out much better in the end. Tevin Campbell's song Eye to Eye is iconic, and we will get to that later on in the show. But yeah, you know, he does he does everything he can to impress Roxanne. And you know, eventually he tells her, Okay, I'm going, we're going on a summer vacation. And then all of a sudden, all of Max's plans go out the window when Goofy you know, he comes home after the whole school is cheering his name. He comes home and Goofy's like, hello, son. <laughs> oh, go on. He's asking me, he's like, you going somewhere, Pop? He's like, sure are. Oh, have, and Max is like, oh, have a good time. If you're going to be gone more than a month, drop me a line. And Goofy's like, but Max, this isn't just my vacation. It's a vacation with me and my best buddy. Oh, Donald Duck. <laughs> no, silly. With you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking as a teenager, in reality, what kid wants to go on a family vacation with their dad to go fishing, which is literally the whole entire plot of the film. But in the end, to kind of wrap up the plot summary, they they go on this cross-country road trip and it just becomes one big, huge comedy of errors after another. And... <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 really it's really funny. It's really entertaining movie. It's one of those movies that I can watch any time of the year, but I have to watch it at least a few times during the summer. I remember when I was younger and I had the movie on VHS. I actually own the movie on VHS now, thanks to Goodwill. I was actually able to go and get a copy and an added bonus, I was actually able to get it signed by the one and only Max Goof himself, Jason Marsden, who's an awesome guy. If you go to cons and you love the Goofy movie and Jason Marsden is there, 
please, please, please go, go meet him because he's a great guy. I mean, we were talking like we've been friends for years <laughs> when I met him. And Bill Farmer, I've not met him yet, but he seems like he's wonderful as well. So I'd like for him to like to get his signature. I've also met Rob Paulson, who voiced PJ in here at, at a, co a comic book convention last year. Man, I really wish, miss, I really miss going to those shows. But anyways, all of that to say, I owned the movie on VHS, but when I was a kid and would watch the film, I always had to make sure that I watched it the day before school went out. So usually, am I, I, went, I went to a small private school and when I was in elementary school, we'd have what was called, our last day of school was literally a day of play. It was field day. So it's like, ah, uh, no schoolwork. I mean, award ceremony was already earlier in the week. It's like, I can stay up a little bit. So I just, you know, I'd watch the Goofy movie and that just became kind of an annual tradition from elementary school all throughout my, all up to my, all the way up to my senior year of high school, the day before the last day of school, which eventually would be the award ceremony as I got older. But regardless of what the situation is, I don't care what it was. The day before the last day of school, the Goofy movie, Goofy movie would be watched and I'd be entertained. Now it. Now let's get down to some of my personal favorite because there's just so much to unwrap about this wonderful film. I could probably, I was literally thinking about this the last few days. I could probably spend weeks just talking about a goofy movie. If I could break down it, if I were to break the movie down scene by scene by scene, I could probably talk about it for a year at least, maybe. You know, if I were to really break it down to the nitty gritty, because as you could probably tell, I have seen the movie many times over the years. I mean, I was able to quote it a line verbatim or lines from it verbatim. And, but yeah. So, man, I, <laughs> I, I think, I think I would be remiss if I did not at least start off by tipping the cap to Wallace Shawn himself and the opening assembly in the very first part of the film. Wallace Shawn, who most of you know, he was Rex in the Toy Story films. He played Vizzini in Princess Bride. And he also, for those of you that are Trekkies that are listening to this, he was Grand Nagus Zek in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And there is a funny fact, a goofy movie and Star Trek Deep Space Nine are connected in a few ways. They're actually the Goofy movie and Star Trek are connected as a whole in three ways, but there's two ways that DS9 and Goofy movie are connected. So Jason Marsden, who's obviously the voice of Max in here, he played, he was on an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine early on, and obviously Wallace Shawn, who's Principal Mazur, who's Grand Nagus Zek, and here's the, here's the overall connection. In the opening scene of the film, there are two guys that are dressed up as Trekkies. They have Star Trek shirts, and they've got the Starfleet insignia on their shirts, and yeah, they're bona fide Trekkies, and they pull up the comics. But that was the first time, and the only time to date, that Disney has made an explicit direct reference to the Star Trek universe, which is explicitly owned by Paramount. So that kind of makes me wonder, how much money did Disney as a studio have to pay Paramount to allow them to use their images and their likenesses in their movie. I'm, I'm kind of interested in that because that's one little tidbit of information that has not really been revealed to the public, but I'm just like, Disney doesn't own, didn't own Star Trek then and they don't own it now. Thank God they don't. 
<laughs> after seeing what they did to Star Wars, I'd be interested to see what they do with Star Trek, but perish the thought. And needless to say, I'm just like, how much money did they have to spend for, you know, just for those little few scenes of animation where Star Trek was in there? But anyways, anyways, there's that where, you know, he's he's rambling on and on and on. He's, he's being your typical public school, high school principal. I never went to public school. I went to, I went to private Christian schools pretty much my whole life. But he's what I would imagine a boring principal at a public school would be. You know, he's going rambling on and on and on about... You know, Principal Mazur, what can we do to not waste our summer vacation? He's like, we don't want to waste our free time. And he'd already lost them. He's like, all these kids want to do, all they want to do, they want to sleep. They want to play video games. They want to visit their friends' houses. They want to have parties. They want to watch MTV all day. You know, that's the things. That's what they want to do. You know, but he's, he's suggesting, oh, you know, you're teenagers, but just even though you're teenagers, you still need to make good, wise use of your time. So, you know, and he, he's going on and on and on. He's like, eventually he gets to the, how about science slumber party? <laughs> and I'm just like, does he really think that anybody, unless they're, except for like maybe the hardcore nerds that are in chess club and science club, and debate club, no offense to anybody who was in any of those clubs, they were in high school. I don't mean anything by it. So I was on the Bible quiz team in high school for a few years. <laughs> but needless to say, does he really think that that's something that they want to do with their time when there's so much other stuff they can do? I don't think so. Anyways, it was just really fun. And that, and to top it all off, we got to hear Stand Out. Even though we only got to hear one verse, you got to listen to the soundtrack to hear the second verse. But we got to hear the wonderful song of Stand Out. And that's, you know, and that's where, you know, that's kind of where Roxanne was probably like, oh, yeah, Max is Max is really cool, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, School Assembly, awesome, awesome way to kind of you know, catapult the movie. I mean, it was a great, the, After Today was a great opening number. But the School Assembly, I think, kind of set the movie in motion in the right direction. So there's that. And... I would be remiss if I didn't mention the open road scene. I mean, the fact that they were able to get Goofy to have his own solo number. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't, obviously he doesn't have the best singing voice. I mean, you're not supposed to have the best singing voice. It's supposed to sound funny. It's supposed to sound comedic. You're supposed to laugh at everything Goofy does, but you know, the, the open road sequence. And really, the music in this movie is is very entertaining. I mean, the Goofy movie, it has it has all of the elements that make a Disney movie what a Disney movie should be. It's got pretty decent story and a realistic one at that. It, was, it wasn't based off of a fairy tale or a tall tale or any tale for that matter. It's something that, you know, you would perhaps see played out in real life. And in fact, I have likened a Goofy movie to be a G-rated animated version of those old John Hughes 80s movies because I feel like there were elements of Weird Science, Breakfast Club, and 16 Candles in this movie, but just obviously for a for a kid's audience. You know, <laughs> can't have all those sexual references in an animated kid's movie. But needs to say, you know, the story, the characters, were pretty entertaining and you know the animation was top-notch and of course 
the music, although albeit it was low in rate at the time, I feel like it's gained its it's gained its appreciation. It's gained its audience to the point where I have seen memes floating around on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all various platforms of social media to where fans are still 25 years later. We are clamoring for Powerline, the biggest rock star in the world, voiced by Tevin Campbell. He can still hit those notes. We are still clamoring for a Powerline only CD where we get standout and eye to eye, but maybe seven or eight more songs to make it ten. Because usually, usually an album has about ten to twelve songs on it. But if we can get at least seven, eight more, we'll really be talking. I tell you what. Now, when it comes to music, I would say country is definitely my default genre of choice. It's the music I listen to the most. It's the music that I have probably spent the most money on. But come on, standout, eye to eye. Those songs were. To use the 90s phrase, those songs were the bomb. I would totally buy a Powerline album. And I would wager to say that anybody who's listening to this podcast, who loves a goofy movie as much as I do, would probably want to buy a Powerline-only CD as well. Because face it, the goofy movie soundtrack, as great as it is, we want more. We want Powerline. We want Powerline. So... And for all of you Disney fans out there, I'm sure you appreciated this, but the Lester's Possum Park scene, which pretty much followed the open road scene, the Lester's Possum Park scene, which was pretty entertaining. Howdy, folks. Who's your favorite possum? That was actually a spoof and a satirized version of the Country Bear Jamboree at Disneyland and Disney World, which... I I know I know some people have their issues with it, but I, I think it's <laughs> I, I, I think it's personally one of my favorite attractions at Disney World. It's one of the things that I really love doing. When I go to Magic Kingdom, obviously, yeah, I do Jungle Cruise, I do Space Mountain. Rest in peace, Splash Mountain. That was like one of my favorite attractions. Space Mountain is my favorite attraction. Splash Mountain was in my top five, and how it's leaving forever. Don't get me started on how sad that is. But yeah, Tiki Room. I mean, pretty much everything that makes Disney Disney, I do. But the Country Bear Jamboree is definitely one of those five things that makes Magic Kingdom truly the, you know, the cornerstone and the hallmark of of Disney World, and it makes it what it. <laughs> it's why people want to visit there. Aside from the end of the day fireworks show at Cinderella's Castle, which is spectacular and amazing, especially during the holidays. And I know I just traced a huge rabbit trail there, but to kind of bring it back in, Lester's Possum Park. That was a nod to the Country Bear Jamboree. Such a funny scene. I really, I just love it when Max goes up to him and he's like don't even think about it he's like see now you feel all good inside he's like smacks he's like beat it doofus but here and and it's in this scene where max was kind of embarrassed to be with goofy this is where we kind of get to you know the we we kind of start to see the layers and that's one thing that i really love that the animators did we didn't just see the clumsy cuts that goofy was known to be in the animated shorts as much as we love that side of goofy in the shorts and as much as we love that side of goofy that we saw in goof troop i think it was vitally important to show him as a caring loving father who's literally just trying to do his best to connect with his estranged son max i mean come on max why are you being such a spoiled brat your son your father just wants to connect with you you 
We're in detention for crying out loud. And yeah, sure, maybe the principal over-dramatized things, but your dad loves you. He cares about you. And he wants to connect with you by taking a road trip. And by golly, if I have get to be Goofy's age, should I, whenever I'm Goofy's age, and if I have a moody, teenage, whiny, ratty son that I am trying to connect with, by golly, I will take him on a fishing trip. You know, you one thing, and you know another thing I would be very much interested to hear. How many fathers or how many people who were kids when a goofy movie came out, who are fathers now, who might have kids of their own, how many of them decided to not even wait till their kids were teenagers, but decided that, hey, my kids could use a fishing trip now. How about we have it make an annual camping or hiking trip where we do some fishing along the way? I wonder. I, I'm just really curious how many dads take their kids on fishing trips just because Goofy and Max did it. It's been proven, folks. The outdoors brings people together. I enjoy fishing myself. I don't do it nearly as much as I would like to, but I enjoy fishing myself. I haven't really gotten a whole lot into hunting, but I'd really like to do that as well because I am very much, I love shooting guns. I'm trying not to get too political here because I know we, we have a presidential election coming up next week, but I do support the Second Amendment. So I'm all about the guns. I'm all about the outdoors and the hunting and the fishing and the hiking. But... Needless to say, it and, it and it's because it brings people together. And it was at it was at that moment where, you know, Max is complaining about how stupid the vacation is. You know, he drags him from home in the dumb car, you know, thousands of miles away, take him to a rat show. When in reality, he could be home chilling with his friends, perhaps getting to know Roxanne a little bit more. And I mean, we've all we've all probably been there. You know, we've all been Max's age. But now I'm now. Sure, I might want, and while I might still have some listeners that are still in the max age demographic and still kind of had his have his attitude and his outlook on certain things, maybe not to the extreme that Max had it, but to that certain to that certain degree, I'd wager a lot of us probably empathize and sympathize with Goofy. You know, as kids, we're probably like we understand. It's like, oh yeah, Max, he's right. You know, he wanted to he wanted to go to a concert. You know with a girl or he wanted to go to the party and you know, his dad's dragging him across the country. You know, what's, what, what's up with that? You know, all he wanted to do. And now that we're adults and now that I, I wager a lot of you that are listening to this half kids, it's like, I, Goofy was right. Goofy was on point. Things that you notice about the adult figures in movies as a whole go over your head or things that you don't notice. They go over your head as a kid, but when you notice them as an adult, you're just like, wow, where was I? But that is some other, there's, and I would say this, I know there's some people who probably are like, okay, Max did all of this. You know, he lied to his dad. He changed the map so they would go in the wrong direction. It's like, yeah, you know, they did have fun. They did bond, but at the same time, he kind of lied to his dad. You know, what do you do with that? There's no resolve there. Like he still got what he wanted in the end. And here's my here's my kind of explanation of that. Should Max have taken advantage of his dad while he was sleeping and changed the map so they could go to LA so he could go to the Powerline concert, be on stage with Powerline to impress Roxanne when he really didn't even need to do that 
begin with because she already liked him. But should he have done all that? No. Should he maybe have gotten punished for finding out? Perhaps, yes. But, you know, this and th and this is where it kind of leads into this. I feel like there's a bigger issue at, at hand there. Pete was the one that kind of, you know, overheard PJ and Max talking in the hotel about that. And I think what was more harmful than Max changing the map to go to L.A. was Pete's, all throughout the film, he was really like this. You know, there wasn't a clear-cut villain, but Pete was probably the closest thing to an anti-hero that the film had, or to an antagonist that the film had. And I think his manipulative parenting, the fact that, and this is something that's kind of really, it's really dangerous, it's really toxic, but manipulative parenting to the point where you're like, oh, my way of parenting is the best. You know, you see how my boy is. He respects me. He does this, that, or the other for me. You know, maybe if your son was more like my son and you were more, your parenting style was more like mine, you wouldn't have all the issues that I have. And granted, I'm obviously, I'm obviously just coming at this as a critic, but, you know, there are people like that. There's people like that in real life. There are Pete's in real life. There are people who think that their style of parenting is literally the only way to parent. It's literally the best. It's like, if you don't do everything that I do as a parent, you're failing as a father or a mother, but obviously we're talking about fathers and sons. And I thought that was way worse than anything Max did. And in the end, it worked out because Max ended up saving his dad with a silly dance move called the perfect cast. 10 o'clock, two o'clock, quarter to three, tour shift, hey? Twist over, pot to do, I'm a little teapot. <laughs> Wind up and let her fly. The perfect cast <laughs> to think a silly little fishing technique that Goofy taught Max at the hole when they caught Bigfoot would save his dad and would also have him, you know, have thousands of fans cheering his name at the Powerline concert. <laughs> Incredible. Amazing. And I would, but so I, I've mentioned a lot of I've mentioned a lot of the themes, you know, Goofy being a one Goofy going from a one-dimensional clown to a three-dimensional, fairly well-developed character that shows emotions. He gets sad, he gets upset with Max, he gets disappointed. You know, we're seeing all these different emotions from him instead of just a normal one. You know, we talked about the parenting, but I feel like one of the reasons why, aside from how funny the movie is and how great and in, how great the songs are, I would say one of the biggest reasons why this film has continued to catch on generation after generation. I believe, certainly correctly, we're on our third or fourth generation of people enjoying a goofy movie. I say that the universal theme of nothing like the great outdoors to strengthen the bond between the father and the son, I mean, that's eternal, that's timeless. And the fact that no matter how old you are, you will always be your father's son. You, you will always be well, and you, you can replace it with daughter, mother, whatever. But you will always be that your parent. You, you will always be the child of your parent. That will never change, no matter how big you get. That's why that scene hits so much harder in real in real time now. When every time I watch it, where Max is like, you know, I'm not your little boy anymore, Dad. You know, I've grown up. I've got my own life. And Goofy's like, you know, I know that. He's like, it's like I just wanted to be part of it. 
And it's like, that's where Max realizes, like, wow, my dad loves me. You know, this is why he's dragged me out on this you know, road trip to do fishing and all this other stuff instead of letting me stay home and chill with my friends. I can do that anytime. But man, cross-country trip where you make all these timeless memories? What could be better than that? And where he's like, and he tells him, no, you're my son, Max. No matter how big you get, you'll always be my son. No matter how grown we get, we will always be our father's sons. Or like I said, replace it with whatever, however you're listening. If you still got your parents in life, you're always going to be their son or their daughter. And they're always going to be your mother or your father. That will never change. No matter how many kids and grandkids you have, parents will always be your parents. You only get one set. Appreciate them. Thank them for what they do. Hmm. But amazing movie. I am really, really glad that it's caught on to the point where merchandise is popping up everywhere. I mean, Hot Topic, Walmart, Box Lunch, so many different stores, releasing Powerline t-shirts and different other t-shirts based around the film. It's well-deserved because the movie is, it's a great movie. And I'm not just saying it as someone who, you know, I mean, I loved the movie before all that stuff happened, before it got popular and, and whatnot, but it's just really great. And it's really gratifying to see how it's caught on with the new generation and how my generation has embraced it. So anyways, great movie. If you've never seen it, please take some time to watch it on Disney Plus in the future. And we're gonna take a short break and wrap things up after this. Well, that's all the time we have for our show today. Until next week, this is Christoph for Talking Cinema saying goodbye.